Hello, you wonderful woman. Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, one of the UK's most successful love coaches, according to the Times Magazine, and author of the book, Love is Coming. It's my mission through this podcast to help single women, specifically female leaders, get powerful, soul-expanding relationships that revolutionize your growth, impact, and happiness during your time on planet Earth. Let's get straight to it. Hey everyone, welcome back. Oh my, I have a very titillating podcast episode for you today. It was is it is with the lovely Carla Cruvaro, who is a certified and trauma-informed sex, love, and relationship coach. Carla works with men and women internationally to help them understand themselves and each other sexually and relationally in and out of the bedroom. So, firstly, thank you so much for coming on today, Carla. Thank you, Persia, for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat. (laughs) Me too. Me too. So as I was researching, preparing for this conversation, I was looking on your website, looking at all the stuff you talk about. Uh, You obviously do a lot of work in the sex, love and relationship space. But the thing that got me, I, I kind of felt like I wanted to be super specific in this conversation with you. And the thing that got me was this one sentence on the homepage of your website, which said, wife to one, mother to two, and currently exploring relationships outside my marriage. So that for me is super interesting. And for me, feels quite out there, but it probably isn't these days, but in my world, it feels quite out there. And I would really love for you to share with us just a little bit more about your journey with, with your, I guess, with your love and relationships, your experience of love and relationships over the years. Yeah. So. Um... I came from like an anxious attachment sort of background in my 20s. I'm 42 now. Um, So I spent a lot of my time chasing relationships, feeling massively insecure, low self-worth. Probably your ideal client at the the time. Um, So, so yes, I spent a lot of my 20s in that. Ended up getting married and I come from a Catholic background, Southern Italian heritage. Um, And that had a real effect on my sexuality and my expression of my sexuality. So I spent a lot of time looking for a husband because that would determine my worth as a woman. This is, you know, the messaging that I got growing up. Um, So I never really got to fully explore. um, You know, I didn't really get the opportunity to sleep around. I was worried that doing that might potentially risk my chances of actually you know finding myself a husband because I wanted to be considered wife material and I had such a good reputation in the village that I lived as being wife material um so I had done you know my job really really well the thing is what I noticed you know when I settled down with my now husband but at the time partner was I would still be really really attracted to other men um and I didn't feel that it would be appropriate to leave him for other men just because, um, yeah, what we had was, you know, really good. We had really good communication. You know, there was still sort of like, there's always going to be an element of the trauma that you're working through, isn't there? When you're in a relationship, a relationship sort of a mirror of what you need to work through. So, you know, there was there was always that. But I was always really intrigued of like, I would really like to do that. I would really like to have, you know, there was um, a personal trainer at the local gym and I thought, gosh, I'd really like to have like a few weeks of or months of just something, but I don't want to leave my partner for you. Um, and this, you know, popped into my mind a few times with a few different men. And 
from my background, I felt a lot of guilt and shame around that. Um, you know, I felt wrong. And then when I did um, my training to be a sex, love and relationship coach, and I started learning a lot more um, and reading books, you know, anthropological, biological research on, you know, how humans behave sexually, it came to my attention that actually before the agricultural revolution, a lot of theory says that humans are actually non-monogamous. So that means that they don't have just one life partner, that you have lots of different partners. And I won't go massively into the science of that. Um, if people are interested, the book, one of the books that I read that really sort of um, caught my attention is Sex at Dawn by Chris Ryan. Um, and that goes into the anthropological and biological aspects of, of non-monogamy. And it just really resonated for me. And I felt extremely validated in, yeah, in my feelings, in my emotions. Um, so I proposed to my husband that we open up our relationship. And he said to me, OK, so how do you imagine that looking? And I was like, oh, I hadn't even expected to get this far in the conversation. <laughs> so actually, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I want it to look. Um, it was quite funny, actually, because I explained to him the situation of, you know, previously fancying people but not doing anything about it and I said to him you know because you must have felt the same at which point he said to me no because I knew I wasn't allowed to look and I was like okay you know but I put myself out there and sometimes you need to take a risk don't you and put yourself out there put your heart on the line and just see where it takes you and I took that risk um, and then we spent the next few months discussing what an open relationship to us might look like so first of all we talked a lot around the sex aspect so we talked about swinging we talked about um going to events um and parties we talked about um you know having threesomes we talked about um a lot of it initially a lot of the talk was quite sexual and then as we started moving into dating you know, I noticed in myself that there's a potential here for feelings to come up. So then we started exploring, you know, the relationship aspect of it and talking about jealousy, talking about what we would do if we found someone and decided that, you know, we wanted to, to break up because we've got children as well. So it was really important to have really clear conversations about, you know, what it looked like for us you know, did we have any rules that we wanted to have around our relationship, what we did or we didn't want other each other to do? And it's really progressed quite a lot. So like initially, you know, the very, very first conversation, I remember my husband saying, you know, it's going to be easier for you to find somebody than for me. And I don't really want, you know, to be the one that's not seen anybody. So let's just do swinging. But over the months of conversation and feeling more comfortable with that, he he felt a lot more comfortable of me going out dating because it is easier for women to find dates um, than it is for men. Lots of research shows that. Um, obviously, for women, the difficulty is finding the right one, but you know, <laughs> but it is easier for women to do that. Um, and so, you know, it, it really um, was. Yeah, we started this journey of exploring it. You know, the, the sexual aspect, and then talking more about the relationship aspect and one of the first things that you know we looked at is would we ever have anyone come to the house and initially you know um having one of our partners come to the house was like a no and then it eventually changed to a yes you know it would be okay if you know if my husband's out and one of my partners came over that would be okay um but not in our bed 
and I was like okay that's fine and then um recently got a boyfriend so like an official proper relationship rather than like a sexual partner and yeah and so recently um things have changed so much that now my husband's like yeah if he wants to sleep in our bed that's fine (laughs) So, so it's just yeah it's just gentle like small steps um because I think to go from nothing you know just sort of like the whole monogamy to all of a sudden saying yes somebody else is going to sleep with my wife in our bed that's a massive step so we've just done you know we 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 didn't really even plan for that to happen that wasn't the end goal it's just sort of gradually gone in that direction and there's a lot of communication on both parts and also a lot of holding space so, you know, holding space for each other, um, how he feels, um, the things that show up for him about his own sense of worth and the things that show up for me as well. Um, yeah, it's really um, it's really opened our eyes to what real communication is. I don't think, even though we communicated quite well before, I don't think we communicated as well as we do now. Like we can have any conversation and really uncomfortable ones around jealousy um breaking up even though that's not on the horizon and no one talks about that normally in, in a normal at least we, we didn't monogamous in a monogamous relationship people that I work with don't tend to have those conversations so it does we found it's given us an opportunity to really go to our depths and look at all of our own stuff as well that comes up and really confront it God, this is so interesting. It's so interesting. Do you know what? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is this would have always been an absolute no-go for me since I, because my old story in reaction to growing up with my parents struggling with drug addiction, my way of dealing with that was cheating. Like it was, I was addicted to it. And so, you know, I I guess I like one of the reasons I became a love coach was actually accountability Um, And one of the things I talk about so much with clients is, you know, obviously, like you've been sharing the importance of communication. And and when you were talking, like everything you said, I was like, I teach that and I teach that and there's boundaries and all of these things. And it just goes to show like I love um, I love how open minded it is. And I love how actually it can be completely respectful, which is not something I would have thought about before. And I think actually um non-monogamy can can get a bad name because I think a lot of people myself included come with a lot of judgments because it's like for me it's like that's scary I don't know if I trust myself but when you bring into it that element of boundaries respect and like you said communication is absolutely key then it becomes an entirely different thing and I would actually say and I wonder what your thoughts are on this in many respect respects can be even healthier than where both people have agreed to be monogamous, but, you know, humans are humans. And if you find yourself on a night out and you're being a little bit flirty with someone else and there can be a really mixed um, or a big gray area in monogamous relationships of like what constitutes cheating or betrayal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, massive. Because, um, yeah, cheating can be having an emotional attachment or telling somebody else, how you feel about them it can be sending people text messages you know um sexting so the idea of cheating it you know is very very different for for everybody I think so for each individual and no one going into a monogamous relationship discusses what's acceptable and what isn't 
um, you know, what, what feels good to them and what doesn't. So you don't really actually, in a monogamous relationship, at least my personal experience and a lot of the people, you know, that I speak to, you don't have any sort of rules of, of what's permitted and what's not permitted or where you're com- what you're comfortable with doing or not. Um, and that's a different I suppose with non-monogamy you know we sat down and we talked about everything we talked about you know safer sex um because you know there's a risk that one of us could bring something into our relationship so there's the sense of responsibility there you know we need to ensure because we've got children that um that they that their lives aren't disrupted too much um they'll be meeting my boyfriend um my new boyfriend this weekend and they're really excited about it so um because they know that mummy goes off and sees friends um and you know now and you know daddy as well but now they actually get to meet somebody and something's a bit more official so yeah so that's really um exciting for them but it's having these conversations and also you know the way that non-monogamy is it's understanding that relationships don't need to be forever and that's not a bad thing as well I think we tend to want to find someone who's going to excuse me tickle up tick all of our boxes and then be there for the rest of our lives and um, I think it's nice to be able to have relationships which support you in your own growth at that moment in your life that maybe you need that. And um, sorry, I've got a froggy throat. <coughs> um, yeah, and so that you have the opportunity to really enjoy somebody um, for who they are. Like the guy that I, I say that I lost my non-monogamy charity, for example, um, you know, he was the perfect person for me to do that. I hadn't had sex with anybody else for like 14 years. Um, and so I was really nervous because, you know, my husband knows my body really well. I know his body really well. And you just get really, really comfortable with the same person. So I was really, really nervous about doing it for the first time with someone completely new. And, you know, I talked to him about that and I was quite open. And because I am that sort of person, I am the sort of person that will say how I feel from my own place of self-responsibility. I'm not putting it on the other person to do anything. I'm just sharing how I'm feeling in that moment. And yeah, he had created this beautiful space in the bedroom and made it really um, special. And so, you know, we saw each other just for a very short period, but where he's in another relationship now and I'm monogamous, but you know, we have got, got such a deep friendship and that's so great that, you know, that you're able to have these relationships that move into friendships and not have to fall out and and, and not get on or not see each other anymore. So um, I'd say pretty much most of the men that I've had sexual encounters with, um, I have good friendships with them as well. So, you know, I might have sat with them once or twice, but we you know, we still get on, we still connect, we're still good friends. Um, they still think I'm fabulous and want to support me in everything. And I think they're great and want to keep in contact. But we've allowed the relationship to move on and just, yeah. And it's a really, really great feeling because I feel like I've got so many amazing men in my life that support me and think, you know, yeah, I'm really, really fortunate to be able to have that. I've got a, I've got a weird question that's just come up. Uh, this is from personal experience yes. have, <laughs> have you ever called either one the wrong name no <laughs> so i knew what you're gonna say then I, mean, I, could, I, could, I could do that no not not yet not yet <laughs> <laughs> but you'd probably have a laugh because when i did that 
back in dear my uh in my wilder days i um i try instead of just owning it because i couldn't because that i was cheating you know i it was absolutely non-consensual <laughs> i tried to style it out and it i mean it just flopped on its face miserably like i tried to pretend like i don't know what i was doing i think i tried to pretend that I was bringing up the, I don't know. I don't know, but it just, yeah, it didn't work. Um, what I was also wanting to know is, has your husband met your boyfriend or is that, is, are they very much separate? Um, not yet, but they will be meeting at some point. It will be something that they plan. Yeah. Um, so they might have met this weekend, um, but, the, but my husband's going away for work. So that's why um, my boyfriend's coming over. So, and it's just, just the way that the timings are working, they won't get to meet each other, but um, yeah, they will at some point meet each other. That's, yeah, very likely just, you know, because if my boyfriend comes to pick me up and takes me away and yeah, so, um, and we've talked about that. I've talked to, to both of them about that um, and how they feel um, because my boyfriend hasn't, this is his first non-monogamous relationship. Yeah. So we met on an, um, an app called Field. I don't know if you've heard of it. You probably, it's not probably one to recommend to you, to your clients really. So Field is um, an app for people who are in non-monogamous relationships mm -hmm. and also people who are looking for threesomes or to go swinging or group sex. So um, very, very open-minded app. And so um, my boyfriend was on um, field and that's how we met because actually I put out a request for a tantric sex partner because I'm doing extra training in tantric sex and I wanted another practice partner um, mm -hmm. other than my husband. Um, and so he answered the call to that. And then just, I'm not sure if it's the tantric sex or what, but just the energy and everything just culminated. And yeah, he... Yeah, all the emotions came up and we decided to pursue it as, as a proper relationship. So, but um, yeah, that's um, that's where we are in, in, in our relationship. But yeah, at some point for, for sure, he'll meet my husband. And so, yeah, so what I was saying was I was, I've been holding space for my boyfriend because he's like, this is really new to me. I'm not really sure how non-monogamy works. Um, so, you know, I've been explaining to him, sent him resources as well, because I don't want to be in teacher mode. Mm -hmm. You probably, you know, you're saying yourself, Persia, you know, when you find a man, you don't feel like you want to be coaching him on, on love. You know, it's like, I'll give you some resources, do your own research, but I'm not going to be the one that does it for you. Cause that's just doesn't feel good in a relationship to be the teacher. Um, and he's really good. He's gone away and he's learned a little bit more about it. And then I've held space for my husband, you know, what's coming up for you around this. And, you know, he's, part of the journey has been for both of us to take a responsibility for what comes up for, for us. So, um, you know, so I talk, um, I talk about, um, my own fears of intimacy that I didn't realize I had, um, until recently, um, which was a really big surprise having come from anxious attachment, you know, I think you tend to think that you are actually really, really looking for intimacy, but I think part of anxious attachment is avoiding intimacy because you're constantly chasing the emotionally unavailable, so then when the a very emotionally available boyfriend shows up, all of a sudden I'm noticing, oh, hang on a minute. You know, I have a real desire to want to sabotage this and create chaos. <laughs> so, so it's, and I, you know, and I spoke into that and I said to him, I'm noticing this in myself and this is how I'm feeling. It's not you, it's me and it's my stuff. And he just, you know, he holds space and listens to that and thanks me for sharing and I, us you know is there anything that I can do to support you and 
um, maybe more talking, maybe a hug. And yeah, so it's really great to have that communication. But I do do it from a self-responsibility. So even though I do talk about what's coming up for me, it is mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm very mindful of not wanting to project that back onto either my husband or or my boyfriend as well. It's interesting what you were saying there about intimacy and how, especially if you're anxiously attached, you think that that's what you want. But then when you get the committed relationship, you want to smash it up with a sledgehammer. That is honestly to God, the majority of work I now do, because I work with clients who are single, very successful and um, struggling and, you know, to get the right go or to get anyone, whatever. Um, And then we do the work and then we get to the point of where they, they do meet someone and enter into um, a usually a monogamous a monogamous relationship and then all their shit comes up and they just want to run for the hills and so that I really resonate with that and so um, interesting that that can absolutely come up in around non-monogamy as well I think I think that it's just part of the human experience isn't it it's like be careful what you wish for because when you get it <laughs> yeah you new devil <laughs> Exactly. And what I noticed as well was, so I, my, regarding my anxious attachment, I had healed that in relationship to my husband. And I had spent a few years working because I was actually anxiously attached to everybody. So my family, friends, partners, and I had worked through it all. And I was like, I'm fully healed. You know, life is good. Um, And then when I started dating, so in the non-monogamy world, I noticed that I was, yes, almost going back into those patterns, which is really, you know, you would think, but if you're feeling safe and secure in a relationship, that shouldn't really come up. But actually it does. It's so ingrained in our nervous system. So I had to be really, really mindful. Like, am I am I adapting the person that I am to be liked? If I noticed that I was doing that and I wasn't being authentic to myself, I was like, okay, something's going on here. And, you know, a lot of it was tuning into to my body rather than looking necessarily for red flags. So it was tuning into my body. If I notice that I'm changing, okay, what is happening here? If, if I am changing and I'm adapting myself to meet them, there must be something that they are doing that is triggering that within me. And then I would notice, I'd go back on messages and stuff and I would notice their behavior and I'd be like, ah, okay, they're chasing here, then they're withdrawing, and then they're chasing, then they're withdrawing. Okay, this is why this part of me is being triggered. And it'll be like, okay, I need to come back into balance, return to my authentic self, and then see how they react to that. Mm. If they react to it and they stick around, great. If they disappear off, then that's also good because I can move on and find somebody else. So it's really been... an interesting journey working through that again (laughs) but this time with the whole non-monogamy even though I am secure because I'm married and I am loved so even though I have all of those boxes ticked it just yeah it goes to show that it it can still come up in in completely different situations so that has that has also been a great learning opportunity because I wouldn't have had the opportunity to deal with that growth Mm -hmm. had I just stayed married yeah Super interesting. Wow. Just for anyone who is a little bit confused, can you just speak a little bit more into the term non-monogamy and what that means? Yeah. So non-monogamy is when you don't have one um, single relationship, romantic relationship. So you, and it's generally an umbrella term. A lot of people use the term consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy to make sure that, you know, you're aware that you're not cheating. 
The reason that I'm starting to move away from ethical or consensual non-monogamy is because it's the idea of, you know, why does a non-monogamy automatically need to be something bad that we need to put another word on it to make it good? So that's why I tend to use the word non-monogamy now rather than consensual or ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. And so it's an umbrella term for people who may be in um, lots of different relationships with lots of different people, or they may be in what's called a polyamorous relationship. So polyamory is where you are romantically involved with more than one person. So poly is Greek for many and um, amore is um, Italian for love. So lots of different love. Um, Also under the umbrella of non-monogamy can be um, having threesomes. It can be going to sex parties, swinging, um, it can be, um, yeah, just going out and dating and you can be somebody who has like an anchor partner, which is the situation that I'm in, um, because I have, um, a husband and children. So, you know, we create that base more so to ensure that our children's needs are met. But you can have some people and what they do is, you know, there might be three of them living together and say there might be a man and he's having a relationship with one woman and a relationship with the other woman and they're all happy or the three of them might be having a relationship together. That's, you know, called a, a polycule when people are living together in, in that type of um, environment. And um, yeah, so the options are really varied. And so, you know, when someone comes to me and says, you know, I want to explore non-monogamy, part of the process is, you know, where do you see yourself starting just because the end goal can change as it did for my husband and I. So, you know, what do you want right now? What sort of needs are you looking to have met? Are you looking to experience love or are you looking to explore your sexuality? Um, and initially for me, having come from a Catholic upbringing, Southern Italian heritage, for me, it was just like, I want to go and have sex with loads of different men. Um, and I want to get in tune with my inner slut and let her go wild. <laughs> so so that, was, that was my initial goal. And obviously these things change and adapt and you get different experiences and I I try to take it as much as possible as an opportunity of learning um, how much I can learn about myself and how much I can learn about other people as well and their triggers and their wounds and and what brought them to to you know to finding me in, Mm -hmm. in whatever format that might be. So that was actually a question you kind of touched on there but for anyone listening who is possibly like me <laughs> don't know how my husband feel about that my new husband um but 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 at least interested in where on earth do you start like if you're if this is resonating and it you know might feel quite scary because it's you know there's a degree of taboo like in terms of how our society might view it um which i, I is definitely changing and, and the fact we're sitting having a conversation like this is is amazing but where on earth do you start if you just want to kind of take the first steps if you're taking the first steps and you're monogamous um oh good question well like are you already in a relationship or are you single uh I, I guess either like would that change it um I would say so because if you're single I think it's easier to just go out and meet different men and have different experiences and let them know that you know your situation that at the moment I am not looking to stay with one human being I am looking to explore lots of different 
people. So, you know, I'm not looking for, a, you know, you can be in a committed relationship, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just going to be the two of you. So, and I think it's always important that when you go into relationships, that you communicate exactly where you are at that moment and knowing that people can change their minds and that's okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything about you. And, you know, it, it can mean more about what's happening and what's coming up for them. Some people aren't aware of their own triggers and their own patterns and you know the fact that they absolutely adore you can be frightening and that's why they run off um so you know it's it's being aware of all of that and having the ability to communicate you know from a, as, as a single person and saying okay this is this is what I'm looking to to explore in myself um and these um are the things that I'm you know the boundaries that I have the expectations that I have is how does that sound to you and what I find is for example a lot of the people on field are very good at communicating that because um because it's they they, not all of them because some of them have gone on there because they've heard from the mates that it's a good place to get like hookups but you know you do get a lot of um men on there that are a lot more sort of consciously aware of relationships and communication like I've met some really some men who are absolutely amazing at communication um from from field and then if you're already in a relationship I would say the best way to approach it would be to have a really honest open discussion and be honest as well if you're not sure what it's going to look like Mm -hmm. say that because that's what I said you know I like the idea of of opening the relationship, I had no idea how that was going to actually pan out and look. And we did spend a good seven, eight months just talking before we actually made the decision to do it. You know, we talked about, so at one point, for example, my husband said, you know, I'd like to see you with another man. And I was like, okay, I would like to do that. But my feeling is what I would struggle with is with really enjoying it because I'd be worried that if I look like I'm enjoying it too much, that you might then get upset because she looks like she's having more fun than when she does when she's with me. So, you know, I said to my husband, I don't know if I, if, if I can fully really, you know, let go and, and enjoy myself. And um, he said, well, that would be my responsibility and what's coming up for me at that time. That's not nothing. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so, you know, that's, that's nothing that's not you that's that's my stuff um and I was like oh my god that's amazing still didn't change how I feel but thank you (laughs) um you know but now the way that things have changed I wouldn't have any problem doing that because he's a lot more secure in our relationship now because I'm choosing constantly to go back to him Mm. so I interesting wow yeah, sorry, go on, interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I go away, I meet a man, or now I've got a boyfriend, but I always choose to come back. Um, mm. And so he knows that, you know, that I've not gone and disappeared and gone off somewhere else. And I think when you're in a monogamous relationship, you can always feel like you, you ha- well, you have to make a decision. If you're monogamous, you have to choose one person or the other. And yeah. you never know which one is always going to work out. It's always a risk, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I know it sounds probably a bit crude, but I get to have my cake and eat it. <laughs> so, ah. And so does my husband. Love it. Well, if you love cake, which I do, that's, I know it's a metaphor, but that, that sounds fantastic. Um, okay. So another question. So the clients I work with are primarily very successful women who are thriving at work, but struggling in love. So do you think 
this approach to romance and sex would suit them and why or why not? Um, I think it's always for people to look what suits them as an individual. So um, I want to be very, very mindful of saying that um, non-monogamy suits everybody. And, you know, um, even though lots of research shows that, you know, non-monogamy was around before the agricultural revolution, we have so much conditioning as a society. And sometimes that conditioning is so, so deep in our system that some people would really, really struggle and it would be extremely triggering for a lot of people to explore that. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to make like any blanket sort of advice or anything, but um, definitely I know um, of women, so partners of the men that I have seen who are very successful women who are also dating and going to swingers parties and have other relationships. So um, definitely. And it just means also that you can have different needs met as well, because if you're a successful um, woman in, in, you know, and you have um, a, a really good career, it's very likely that you're dedicating a lot of time to that. You might not always have time for another partner and to always, you know, be there in the way that you have to be when you're monogamous it can be quite draining sometimes and especially if you like end up living with people women then take on all the mental load you know they end up having to sort of look after their partner which they shouldn't be doing but a lot of women fall into that trap of doing that so having a career and looking after a partner it just becomes really overwhelming so you know something like solo polyamory could work really really well so career successful career woman living by herself and has different men that she sees and that she dates, that she has romantic relationships with, that she can call boyfriends, partners. Um, And she can choose whoever she wants at whatever time for whatever situation, because, you know, you meet some men and you just have like the most amazing sex, but then you think, well, you know, I've got this important work event and I don't think I'd take you to that, you know? And then you've got another man who would be really, really great, take you out for amazing meals and you have a really amazing time. And, you know, he would be absolutely perfect for those networking events that you have to do at work. And the sex isn't as great, but you really enjoy the company, you know? So you've got the option to sort of, in a way, pick and choose what it is that you want from from, from the people out there. And, you know, it's about holding yourself that they will also be doing the same as well. And just really enjoying what you can have together in in that individual relationship. Because if you think about it, we do that as well with our friends. You know, we'll have some friends that will go out um, and we want to have a night out and want to go dancing. Then we'll contact, you know, that friend. If we've got, you know, something that's hurting us or upsetting us, then we will contact a different friend um, because we know that she can support and hold space for us really, really well. So if we can do that with our friendships, you know, why not in our sex and romantic lives as well? Yeah, it's making me think of that expression, don't put, what was it, don't put your eggs in one basket. And, <laughs> and I, I do, I really do get that as a concept of, you know, I think there is too much pressure that people expect one person to fulfill every single need. And that's impossible. And it's way too much pressure to put on someone um so yeah that makes a lot of sense um okay so I have this last section that I call the home straight question so it's like a bit of a rapid lightning round so okay first question what love life advice would you give to your 15 year old self Carla 
oh my goodness me bless her um wow love life advice I would say to my 15 year old self that pain is inevitable and you will get through it Mm, love that what's one thing you don't want people to know about you (laughs) I'm just about to go and tell everybody (laughs) I know everyone hates this question but it's always interesting to see what what comes up okay so um yeah, I get it wrong all the time and I feel lots of shame because I'm supposed to know because I'm the coach. <laughs> so, yeah, I make lots of mi- lots of mistakes that are like, yeah, I had one about two, three weeks ago, actually. Really, like mass- my my anxious attachment was triggered and it hasn't been triggered like that in that way for, since I was my 20s. And I coach some women as well on anxious attachment. And I was like, what the fuck? Am I allowed to swear? But that's what. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what came up for me, and I was like, oh my god, you know, how can I go back to to my to my clients now, having gone through that? So yeah, I get it wrong too. Mm-hmm. So listen to me, don't do what I do. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that. Okay, before the last question, where can people find out more about your work? Best place is my website because I do talk about sex and stuff. Um, Instagram isn't a fan of that and neither is Facebook so the best place to get all the juicy information is my website so that's www.carlacrivaro.com and we'll link that in the show notes for you too so um one before I said that uh ask the last question you talk a lot about blowjobs and I was discussing whether to weave that into this session and then we decided no actually um session episode um we we need to have an entirely new episode that's purely dedicated to blowjobs <laughs> um and and I think you're probably going to end up coaching me a lot around them because I have a lot of resistance to them um so I'm really excited for that so everyone listening if, if you've enjoyed this episode there will be one in the coming months about blowjobs so get ready for it we're just lubing a little bit of lube there for that if you will spit spit <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go that was the perfect teaser okay so this is I just want to say before I ask my final question this has been so brilliant Carla and so interesting so informative and really eye-opening um and it's made me sort of question a lot of the things that I thought I knew or thought to be true and and I think the thing that I love most is the level of respect communication like it's a real there's a lot of skill that is involved in doing this well and uh whether you want to explore non-monogamy or not those skills will be highly uh useful not even just in your love life in every area of life so I think that's great um so Carla what is the number one piece of advice you would give to any single women who are listening to this um they're thriving in their career but they're really struggling in their love life what is the first thing that comes up in relationship um yeah so Find your authentic self and self-worth and stay true to it. Mm. Yeah, this is true. The right person is going to love you for exactly who you are, warts and all. And Mm. yeah, that's what I have in my relationships. Yeah. Wow. I really resonate with that. And And it doesn't mean that you don't have your moments where you fuck up, like you said, or you're triggered. But you can always, you know, when it's a for the most part, a healthy relationship. I find this in my relationship with my husband. We can have our scrap or whatever, 
we go away for however long, half an hour, sometimes a bit longer, we always can come back and talk it through and work it through. Um, whereas before what I would do, something like that happens, well, fuck you, and I'd go and cheat, or, or they, you know, there was just drama. And oh, actually, yeah. um, it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that at all. So, yeah, beautiful point to end on. Thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. And, yeah, can't wait to be chatting <laughs> to you very soon about blowjobs. <laughs> Thank you, Persia. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope this episode served you and gave some practical insights and strategies around the next steps in transforming your love life from the inside out. Do come and let me know over on Instagram what resonated for you the most and why. I am at Persia Lawson. And if you want more tips and tools on how to become a vibrational match for the powerful, committed relationship that you deserve, check out my book, Love is Coming, as well as my programs and coaching containers over at persialawson.com. This website is also linked in this episode's show notes. And if you got value from this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd like, subscribe, share, and or leave a quick review. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other women who want or need the support. And to have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. Until next time, I want you to remember that love is coming for you. But in the meantime, it's your responsibility to stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be.